0: This is Business Rockstars, inspiring, informing, and connecting a community of entrepreneurs.
1: The biggest entrepreneurial podcast on the planet.
2: We are here to inspire, inform, and connect a community of entrepreneurs. Welcome to Business Rockstars. I'm Pat O'Brien. Our rock star today is Jeff Zucker. It may not look like the Jeff Zucker, you know, but it's Jeffrey Zucker, who is the co founder and president of Green Lion Partners. Welcome.
3: Thanks for having me, Pat.
2: Now Jeff is in a
3: billion dollar business that's just, I think just now, starting to explode, right? Absolutely, I mean over the past few years the cannabis industry has really taken off. Jeff's in the cannabis industry and uh, we drug tested him and he's,
2: he's cool to sit here for a while and uh, <laughs> not, uh, not fall asleep on us. But seriously, uh, how do you help the cannabis uh, industry?
3: Uh, our company, Green Lion Partners, we uh, help entrepreneurs to raise money, to pitch, um, as well as to figure out how to scale their business for this growing space. Figure out how best to make their business really work as the industry grows. Because you had a, a nice
2: roll-up, illegal roll-up, not you, but I mean before all these laws are passed that that legalize uh, marijuana, so you got to watch it kind of grow exponentially without any supervision.
3: Yeah, I mean, it's, it's really been, it's, it's a one-of-a-kind space to be able to watch what's happened with it over these years. I mean, it's a space where you know there's buyers, you know there's people using it in all of these different places. So why not make it safe, regulated, and taxed to help improve our economy, to help improve you know, lives for medical patients, and to help improve you know, people that are stuck in jail?
2: They're not going to be in jail long, by the way. Exactly. Uh, did you always want to be an entrepreneur?
3: I did. I grew up, uh, you know, with a father who was an entrepreneur that I got to learn a lot from, um, and uh, you know, I went to college uh, at Boston University, and I'd been working in food service trying to figure out where I wanted to go, and saw an opportunity to start a real estate development company while I was in school, and uh, my entrepreneurship took off from there. What's the worst job you ever had? <sighs> the worst job I ever had is. You know, I, I try to make the most of every job. I try not to think any of them negatively. But uh, I come worked on, at an ice cream. come on, come on. I worked at an ice cream shop for a summer. You know, it was definitely everybody says that. It was What's long wrong with around. ice cream shops? Uh, well, I think one, you get sick of the ice cream, <laughs> and two, uh, you know, just dealing in the heat with people that are exhausted and you know trying to find this relief with ice cream, and it's uh, it can be a hectic space. I mean, I was fifteen, sixteen at the time, so uh, it was a great. What learning do you experience. care? Right,
2: yeah. <laughs> uh, Green Lion Partners. Uh, What's a typical day over there?
3: Well, my, uh, my office is a combination of Salt Shaker Holdings and Green Lion Partners. Salt Shaker is my kind of non-cannabis company, real estate, film production, angel investing. And uh, you know, in our office, uh, I spend about 70% of my time right now on cannabis. Um, and the, the rest of our office is, uh, we, my partner Mike is also focused on Green Lion. And for the most part, it's uh, just kind of figuring out which companies uh, have the next thing going that we need to really take a look at and help move forward, as well as uh, figuring out what the next steps are for our individual companies on a daily basis.
2: Uh, In in putting your business together and keeping it going, uh, what kind of software and apps and that sort of thing do you use? I assume you're computerized.
3: (laughs) Yes, absolutely. We use a a lot of digital solutions. Um, Slack is one that we use a lot for internal project communications. Um, We also use uh, Telegram, another messaging app that's just for... Uh, internal communication that's not project specific. Um, and overall, you know, we use the Google suite of softwares, um, and uh, we're looking at uh, Asana right now, we're just kind of getting started with that. Um, and overall, we try to bring as many tools in as we can to increase our efficiency. How do you come up with new ideas?
2: I mean, the newest idea is you can buy pot here.
3: Right. Then what? Uh, in this industry, a lot of the new ideas come from looking at other industries and what's been successful. How can we translate that into cannabis? And um, I think that a lot of these new ideas, there's two different versions. There's ones that people have brought over that are going to be relevant still once you know we do have federal legalization, uh, and then you know sort of the softwares and services that are built specifically for the industry. And then you've got things like uh, banking initiatives that you know are maybe trying to fix some issues that we have right now with the banking system that but that will end up being moot points, you know. You know down I, the road.
2: I I watch these movies, it's just mountains of money being uh, shoveled li- literally into a back room right. and then laundered. And I got to think that's over.
3: Absolutely, that's definitely over. I mean, the people that are licensed and regulated businesses, they're trying to be as responsible as possible. They're using software like Flowhub to maintain their compliance and from the baking perspective, you know, a lot of these companies that are uh, touching the cannabis plant directly, they do have a lot of cash on hand, and that's led to really heavy security. And it's it's a security risk, you know, that the industry is aware of, and it's one of the biggest problems in the space. But uh, they're finding ways to conquer it until the banking catches up. Right.
2: We are here to inspire, inform, and connect a community of entrepreneurs. I'm Pat O'Brien. This is Business Rockstars. He's Jeffrey Zucker. Uh, Co-founder of Green Lime Partners. This whole cannabis industry is new, right? Relatively new. Relatively. So what about the people that started on their own? Would you reach out to them and help them organize? You
3: know, absolutely. Uh, In terms of starting For example,
2: in Portland, there's probably a cannabis store every 20 feet.
3: Right, I, I think that as the industry grows, we're gonna see consolidation in places like that. You know, especially in California as it becomes more regulated. But uh, we're interested in helping you know any businesses that are up and coming in this space that have a long-term vision for the future and that want to be foundational pieces of the industry.
2: What is a long-term vision of the future?
3: Um, I see the cannabis industry. Don't, just,
2: don't smoke your product, right?
3: Uh, I mean, consumption of the product is is uh, good at the right times. You know, uh, I think it can be very helpful in a variety of ways. Not you know from the medical perspective, I but also it, yeah. you know from the personal perspective and. Uh, I think long term, this is something that's going to be more and more, uh, it's going to be more and more mainstream, and we're just going to see it grow uh, over the years, and uh, I think that it's going to be a general, normal part of everyone's life. How would your employers, um, employees describe you as a leader? I would say that they would say that I'm very welcoming, uh, open, and honest, um, but I can be stern. Um, I try to make sure that everyone is enjoying what they're doing and that they're happy in their position. And if they're not, I try to figure out how best to get them there while still accomplishing what we need to. How would they describe your management style? I think they would describe my management style as uh, stern, but friendly um, and approachable. Where is, how many states is it legal in now? Uh, we're over 30 states now. We, you know, going into the election, we were at, I think, 26, so we should be at around 35 right now. Okay, so how many times do the rules change every time a state comes in? Uh, it, well, it changes on you know, the state-by-state basis, and individually by state, it doesn't change so much. So it's really just trying to navigate the individual markets. Um, it's really difficult to understand kind of the nuances in each different state, and that's something that you know, there are specific companies that focus on that. Um, but as we become more, uh, there are more and more states involved. I think eventually we'll have things that are a bit more wide, widespread in terms of how to manage the space. It's such an unusual job, isn't it? I mean, for
2: me, I, I grew up in the '60s, where you know we had to meet you at this corner or meet you at this corner, or put the dope under my car. Like right. It's just such an unusual
3: thing now. It's definitely something. To me, it's weird. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. There's the way that people have grown up in the United States and kind of the stigma that's been around, yeah. you know, marijuana over that time. It's been, it's going to take some evolution, some getting used to. Um, and I think that you know, the kind of that situation that you describe, where you're going in and having to put something under a mat, I think people it's are college days. Right, by the way, I think people are sick of that. And uh, you know, when I talk to people that are in states okay. that are illegal and they're saying how they have to do something sketchy like that. Um, and then they hear about my experience, you know, living in Colorado, being able to walk into a store, discuss what each strain is going to do for me, do for others. You know, it's creating jobs, tax revenue. Um, I think that it's really going to be something incredible long term. And um, while it may seem strange, I think it's going to become part of the norm. Mm-hmm. I was in a park in Portland,
2: and I actually asked a cop. I, I said, "Can I smoke here?" And he said, "Absolutely not." It's all right. Then he chased me down and said. Cigarette or marijuana? <laughs> I said, cigarette. And he said, well, you can smoke marijuana here. You can't smoke a cigarette.
3: Oh, really? <laughs> yeah,
2: Interesting. So the everything's changing in this thing.
3: Yeah, a- absolutely. I mean, in, in terms of public consumption, there aren't many places that allow it. Um, Denver re- had an initiative, Initiative 300, that passed what's gonna allow local businesses to apply for social consumption licenses. So people that you know live in apartment buildings or homes that don't allow it, or tourists are now going to have businesses where they can go and consume safely. Are these all these businesses profitable? Uh, right now, no. There, I'd say that's probably a misconception that there's you know people are swimming in cash in this industry. Um, you know the the cultivators and dispensaries are taxed very heavily, over seventy percent rate. Um, and the businesses that I work with, the uh, softwares and services that are really trying to grow, um, really they have a long-term vision in mind. I don't see most of them being incredibly profitable for you know, say five years or so. Really, um, there's money coming in, but a lot of it, there's growing going on with these uh, these businesses, the business process companies. Who did you lean on to get information about this about the cannabis industry? Yeah. Um, So a very close friend of mine, Evan Nissen, he runs a PR firm in the cannabis industry, and he was sort of our first point of contact in the space, and he made some great connections for us uh, to guys like Leslie Boscor from Electrum Partners, and uh, we're also investors and members in the ArcView Investor Network, and that's been an incredible space for us to both network as well as find companies to invest in.
2: Did you ever think you'd be involved in the cannabis business legally?
3: I, if you had told me, you know, (laughs) In high school, that I was going to be working in the cannabis industry, you know, ten years down the road, um, I would have been pretty flabbergasted at the time. You know, it's not something that I ever would have imagined. Right. Um, but y- having been in other businesses and looking for what the next business I wanted to start was. Uh, My partner and I saw this space as a place that was going to boom, and we thought, you know, in 20 years, we're going to be kicking ourselves if we're not involved, and we've done everything we can to try to build ourselves into the foundation of the industry and make sure that it's going to grow responsibly.
2: We're here to inspire, inform, and connect a community of entrepreneurs. I'm Pat
0: O'Brien. We'll be right back.
2: Business Rockstars.
0: This is Business Rockstars. I'm Mark Lack, and we're here to inspire, inform, and connect a community of entrepreneurs. Patrick Sicanas is joining us right now. He's the CEO and president of Determine. It's a pleasure to have you on the show with us. Thank you, Mark. How are you? So, I'm doing fantastic. I want to hear about your business. What do you do?
4: Great. So uh, Determine uh, really empowers companies' uh, decision-making processes. So we uh, provide them with the technology that allows them to manage, track their suppliers, um, contracts, anything that's associated with contracts and suppliers, uh, as well as uh, being able to use those suppliers for all of their employees to buy things. So catalogs and things like that. So really help uh, workforces empower um, their employees to make better decisions.
0: My guess is this is probably not your first business, or is it?
4: No, no, okay. head, obviously not, I was no. gonna <laughs> say, you don't usually get into that type of business yes. if that's your first business. Yeah, no, but interestingly enough, uh, there was a trend that, uh, that I spotted here a few years ago that allowed okay. me to, to be in this position. Uh, um, but uh, yeah, no, I've done uh, entrepreneur type things for a number of years.
0: Well, take us back to the beginning. What was your first company?
4: Sure. Um, I want to know what led to this. Well, there's actually a, a spot before that, if it, okay. uh, if you're okay with that. I I um, actually grew up on a dairy farm, and my dad brothers are uh, entrepreneurs, uh, you know, and they turned uh, a small, uh, you know, little business into a, into a major production uh, environment. And growing up in that world, um, I kind of learned to to you know figure out and fend for yourself, and and be creative and and uh, figure out things. So got out of there in the late '80s and went on to. Uh, uh, Start a company in uh, the CRM space, the software as a service type thing, and uh, worked with uh, a New Zealand company who were uh, uh, great entrepreneurs, understood the business, and, and really was way ahead of the, of the, uh, the SaaS curve, if you will. Okay. And um, it was an uh, interesting time, sold the business, went on, did a few other things, uh, and then in 2005 founded a, another company uh, called Force Logics where we again saw a trend. Yeah, um, in the space, and I uh, was able to take that public in 2010, sold it in 2012. Congrats, And then, uh, thanks. exciting times. Yeah, it was exciting, and then we had uh, a little consulting for a couple of years, and then I joined Determine um, uh, th- almost three years ago where uh, it was a small little entity, and we've done several acquisitions now to get to where we are today. Well, I want to pinpoint
0: the going public. Sure. Not a lot of companies probably ever will experience what that is like, so break it down, what was it like from your experience?
4: Well, it was a small, small company. This was uh, 2008, 2009 when uh, there was venture capital money available, however, it was uh, uh, very hard to, to get at. Uh, you, you had to have uh, a, lot of, we had a lot of work done far down the road be able, before you would able to get venture capital. Uh, it was different a few years before that, it was different a few years after that, but in the 2008, 2009 timeframe, um, there was an opportunity to, uh, to take a small company on the Canadian Stock Exchange, actually and um, uh, pool some money together through uh, a system that they had. Uh, It was interesting, it learned a lot. Uh, Even though it's a small IPO and a small company, all the same rules apply uh, as it relates to uh, what you need to do, security, building it, putting it uh, together. And um, it was great, it was a great experience and uh, we were able to launch that into the the sale of the company a couple years ago. Well,
0: I don't think a lot of people understand the right timing or how to make the distinction between when I should go public and it sounds cool and exciting, but I've also heard a lot of people say it can also be very detrimental to a company. And we had the billionaire Tillman Fertitta sitting where sure, you were, sure. and he talked about taking his company public, made 100 million dollars yeah. overnight, then built it to a multi-billion dollar company, economy crashed, bought back all of his <laughs> stock, <laughs> exactly. then took the company private again. Yeah, so I'm curious from your perspective though, you know, how does somebody or how did you guys make the decision that going public was the right move?
4: Yeah, it was, uh, you know, there, there was a, some part of it was necessity, right? We needed capital, we wanted to raise money. Yeah. Uh, and at the time, venture capital money was tight. Uh, there were some opportunities for us to do it, um, but the valuations that they're willing to give us versus the public market yeah. uh, were anywhere close. So we were able to actually get the public market excited uh, about what we were doing and, and pool enough resources together to take the company public. And it actually ended up introducing us to uh, the company that actually ended up buying us. Uh, they were a large investor in the IPO and ended up making the acquisition a couple years later. Well, I think you're living
0: the dream. You had a a company you took public and sold, and I think a lot of entrepreneurs plan to do that. We've got the CEO and president of Determine. Patrick Succan joining us. This is Business Rockstars. I'm Mark Lack, and we're here to inspire, inform, and connect a community of entrepreneurs. What do you feel like on your journey has been one of the biggest lessons you've learned? Not a lot of entrepreneurs that Mm -hmm. sit in this chair have gone through all of the business iterations you have, grown and sold companies like you have and taken companies sure, public like sure. you have. So I'm curious from your perspective as an entrepreneur who's had a pretty exciting journey, what do you feel like are a couple of the biggest aha moments you've had?
4: Yeah, the, the key, key thing I think to a lot of people is they have a great idea and yeah. they want to rush out and say everybody wants this, right? Yeah. Um, but there's a tremendous amount of homework that needs to be done and, and data that needs to be analyzed uh, before you do it and I will tell you that in 2005 when we launched um, uh, my first uh, startup with my partner, Back then, we knew we had a great idea, we knew people wanted it, we knew there was a market for it. Um, But again, you have to look at, is there a market for what you want to sell? And can you build something fast enough to meet the needs of that market or actually exceed the needs of that market? Mm. Um, And then you have to get the right people on it. So the the, the thing that I took away from this, and not only from an entrepreneurial perspective, but from any business standpoint, right? Regardless of what you're going into, make sure the company or, or the idea that you have that there's a market for That somebody actually wants it. Yeah, yeah. Um. A lot of people say they might want it, but will they practically use your products? And yeah. yeah. Then, people uh, go around
0: and say, "Oh, a lot of people told me they'd buy this." But exactly. As you, if you've ever watched Shark Tank, right? It's like
4: the money in the bank. Actual, tangible sales is what validates it, not people saying it. Th- that's exactly right, yeah. and I think that's a, an interesting point because Shark Tank. I watch it all the time because I'm yeah. interested about these these ideas. We had Damon on here. Oh, fantastic! Yeah, fantastic. Well, well, it's it's it really is that. I mean. Um, they may think it's a great idea, and if people people may say, but if those people will actually give you money, if they will help you find customers, yeah. then you know you're on to something. Right? And uh, even if before the market's there, but maybe a better idea, which I've learned yeah. over time, is maybe don't reinvent a wheel, mm-hmm. um, but find a market that's already out there. that Or has you done a trend? To. See the trends. That's yeah, exactly you've been great right. on capitalizing on those. Uh, to, uh, 1998, I should say, saw a trend in consolidation on the sales yeah. side with businesses, and Salesforce automation, what, what salesforce.com did, and then uh, 10 years later, a little bit more, saw the same trends happening on the procurement side, which is why mm-hmm. I joined Determined to bring those things together. but
0: I think that you made some great points on what a lot of aspiring entrepreneurs make mistakes on. Let's talk about somebody who's maybe a beginning entrepreneur to a seasoned entrepreneur. What do you think are some of the big mistakes you see business owners making?
4: Yeah, they just don't uh, arm themselves with enough data, right? And I, I think that's the key piece here. Whether it's... Uh, uh, well, let's, let's just actually talk about, about how we use data today, right? Yeah. So uh, entrepreneurs, they'll, they'll they have an idea, they get an investor, and off they go. Uh, <laughs> and, and maybe they don't take enough time to really research it and, and really how to go fast and, and go easy. I mean, we don't do anything as a society these days without data. We don't go out to dinner, out to lunch. I'm not, if I am going to spend 50 bucks for lunch, I'm going to yeah. take a look and, and read the reviews and Yelp who and has everything. gone there, <laughs> Yelp, Open yeah. Table, all that stuff, and not make those decisions um, and, until I have data, and, and 10, 15 years ago, we didn't have that opportunity. We, I remember buying my first house, right? I yeah. walked in, yep, I like it, bought the house. Didn't yeah. look at the, you know, all the information around it or the neighborhood yeah, or yeah. all those things, and, and the same with dinner. We just don't go out to lunch without having the data that we need. Mm. Well, in, now, young entrepreneurs, they have the ability to do that, that research. Yeah. The internet is there. Um, you know, Friends, relatives, everyone that they know has a business somewhere, has their fingers in something. Yeah. So the opportunity to really dig deep and research and understand what you're getting into before you get into it um, is, is, a, is a hell of a lot better than really uh, just jumping into it and doing it. Because yeah. there's, there's three things that are going to happen, right? Either you're going to take off with yeah. your idea, your, your idea is going to fail quickly, which both are good, by the yeah. way. The worst is getting caught in that middle and just trudging on, trudging on, spending money, spending money, and never actually going one way or the other. And then if it drags out, then you got trouble. I love that advice. I'm excited to come
0: right back with Patrick Sicanas to talk more about what makes his company successful. This is Business Rockstars, I'm Mark Lack, and we connect a community of entrepreneurs. You can join us on Facebook, Twitter, and online at businessrockstars.com.
1: Snap introduces a group video call feature. 82 Labs raises $8 million, and a self-care startup raises $5 million. I'm Brittany Lane with Venture News. Here's your entrepreneur update. Snapchat introduces a new video group chat feature. This new addition will let you chat with 16 of your closest friends and do a voice call with up to 32 people. Getting started is simple. You tap the video icon in the group chat or start a call with a few people and then invite new friends to join. The Hangover Recovery Drink from 82 Labs raises $8 million. This special morning after recovery drink has vitamins, electrolytes and an herbal medicine called DHM that apparently makes your hangovers magically go away. The new funding is from Altos Ventures, Slow Ventures, Strong Ventures, and Thunder Road Capital. A self-care startup called Shine raises $5 million in Series A funding. Shine is a free service that sends you a daily text to help you thrive. They send quotes, research-backed articles, and actionable advice to help you start your morning off right. Shine has 2 million active users to date. Thanks for watching Venture News. See you next week.
0: This is Business Rockstars. I'm Mark Lack and we're here to inspire, inform, and connect the community of entrepreneurs. Joining us right now is Patrick Stekanis. He's the CEO and president of Determine. Recap first what you
4: come to us. Sure, sure Mark. Again, we are uh, focused on uh, business decisions and helping companies make decisions around okay. suppliers, contracts, um, and really all the information of stuff that they procure. So uh, companies that, um, that, that, of all sizes, right, need to make decisions every day on their suppliers and, and how they manage all this data, and we link it all together, one system, one platform, and empower their, their workforce to be able to make better decisions. So something like that
0: is a space that a lot of people are getting in. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of need for that, and a lot of companies are creating different variations of a similar solution. So my question for you is, how do you differentiate yourself as a preeminent brand and option in such a noisy, competitive space.
4: Sure, sure. Well, we, we actually started three years ago um, in, in the thought process. We we saw, and in fact, uh, one of the areas that, um, that that I that I was working with uh, very closely is on the procurement side. Was understanding what people are going to want three years from now, three years ago, mm. and uh, and again, then they're looking for suites or platforms of technology. They don't want to have to go looking in ten different places for information uh, when it comes to their suppliers, when it comes to contracts, their customers, and so on. Um, so we did a uh, period of acquisition over two okay. years. We bought three companies together and, uh, and really created a, a platform versus a suite of products. And that's a big differentiator. Um, the platform that we have now is, is one code base of technology. So when you onboard a supplier onto your business, um, they're inside the, the database of that platform. So whether I come in through a procure-to-pay opportunity or whether sourcing yeah. or whether contract management, uh, all that data from the contracts, the suppliers, are all in one spot.
0: How do you find the right team? Because something like this, a lot of this I can already tell has to do with the people that are behind it, not only creating and developing it, but also tweaking, fine tuning, and managing it, which is really important as well. And you guys are in charge of a lot of data. And I know that with technology, a lot of times stuff can go wrong. And so you have to have that team ready to go to make sure that the clients are happy. And I can imagine it's, you know, you guys are charging some good fees for these large clients to have all this stuff. So how do you go about finding great talent to build
4: a team like this, yeah, you know it's it's a process, right? Yeah. Uh, if you think about, it, imagine bringing three companies together uh, in, in just over a year's time period, yeah, wow. three different cultures. One was actually in France, and mm. one in Indiana, one in California, right? So three completely different uh, of cultures. So yeah. it really is a matter of getting everybody first on board uh, with 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 what you already have, yeah. and then understanding who believes and who doesn't believe, right? And You'll have a lot of uh, people inside the organization that are from the old culture and the old school, and they will just naturally work their, themselves out of, uh, out of the organization because they just don't fit the, the new culture. Yeah. And one of the things I think that companies, a mistake they make, is they try to cram a culture into the business too quickly. And you kind of have to let things happen on its okay. own. In fact, I will tell you that within the first year of bringing these three together, we probably turned over 50% of the company. Um, just because people needed to uh, really get on board or, or get out. And, um, but the, the way you're, you're able to do that is starting at the top. So with our executives, I, when, I, when I came into this role, I think there were 15 C-level people. Well, we immediately took that down to eight. Wow. right? And now, of those eight uh, individuals, now you have to go out and find the right people to manage each of those positions. And we actually ended up with, you know probably of the eight, uh, four that were original and, and, and four that were, that were new. And wow. again, the key piece of all that is, um, you know, you can go out and you can interview all day long, but if you can find people that know people through your existing relationships, and I will tell you that every single person on my executive team right now came from somebody that you already knew them on the executive team uh, or knew them from uh, a previous position uh, outside of that. And then the key is having them go find the people that they know and trust and doing it all together. So the okay. better you're networked, the better off you're gonna be. So you, like many other successful
0: CEOs of companies, have been successful as a result of the people and the culture. Absolutely. So I'm glad that we brought that up. We've got the CEO and president of Determined, Patrick DeCanis, joining us. This is Business Rockstars, I'm Mark Lack, and We're here to inspire, inform, and connect a community of entrepreneurs. Values is something that comes up when we talk about company mm-hmm. culture. So what are some of the values that you integrate into all the companies because you found that these values, when adopted by everybody, are what drive success?
4: Yeah, we we actually have a, a very prescribed set of values that we talk about every day I, knew, I knew you would. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we do. No, and, and I won't go through all of them, but, the, but there are six core values, and it's collaboration, it's teamwork, it's you know all those things that you, that you would expect. Um, but we don't just put them on a board and put them on a cube. We actually espouse them every day. Mm-hmm. Uh, we get everyone to live live those uh, of those values and and really understand it and and talk about them amongst each other and and start meetings with values and. And, and actually you know, work together as an organization. Uh, and, and now we're actually taking that a step further this year. We have the values in place, we have our vision and our mission in place. And now we're actually taking this to put, put a, heaver, a, he, a more heavy emphasis on the actual customer side of it and how can we espouse our values on our customers as well and okay. get them to pull in. We're, you know, we're a small company um, when, it, when it comes to some of our nearest competitors who are, who are you know, giants in the industry. Um, but we beat them every day because of the strength of our company and because of the values that we have and the core culture that we have as an organization. A lot of big companies surprisingly have some of the worst company
0: culture mm-hmm. and some of the worst customer service, which is crazy to think that they were able to get so big. Right. My question for you as we shift gears is on the topic of sales and marketing. Sure. How are you generating and converting leads for this specific type of business? Again?
4: Well again, it, it's interesting from the standpoint of where we are. We're, we're yeah. not a heavily funded company. We're, our nearest wow. competitor actually just Recently went public and raised, I don't know, $250 million or something like that. Small number. Um, what's that? <laughs> yeah, so, well, Yeah, small in number. our world, big numbers. Um, <laughs> but the thing is, so we're, we're again, we're applying entrepreneurial tactics, right? Guerrilla marketing, right? What can we do better? Yeah. One of the things that we found out, and I have a, a fantastic marketing staff of like six, right? It's just a small group. Um, but one of the things that we found out very early is that the marketplace or the, the people that are buying this type of technology are starving for content. Um, so the the big analysts of the world, like Gartner and Forrester mm-hmm. and those guys out there, they talk a bit about it and they talk at a high level. Uh, but in the range in the in the space that we sell into, there's very little content. So we started going out, uh, having doing customers interviews, uh, webinars, having our our uh, featured blog uh, every every single week. I blog every single month. Uh, key members of my staff do as well. And interestingly enough, people read our content. They're starving for it. So that's been a really key thing for us. Not a lot of money. Um, get the blogs out there. Do webinars with key partners in our in our space, uh, and we drive a tremendous amount of leads for our sales force just through doing that alone. And it's and it's simple and it's easy, yeah. but highly
0: effective. That's the space that I live and breathe in. So I love that you brought that up. Is the online social content? It's capitalizing on a trend right now, which is videos. Mm-hmm. You can do video series. You can do, you know, Instagram stories, Facebook Live, Snapchat. There's so many different variations of yeah. video content out there, but it's a big trend. You're capitalizing on it. My question though is. Which avenues,
4: which platforms have you found to be most effective for you? Is it Facebook? Is it LinkedIn? Yeah, LinkedIn is huge. Facebook really, it's a consumer app. There's really nothing there from a business mm-hmm. perspective. You can have thousands and thousands of followers, but we'll never buy your product. And one of the things, again, we, we talked a little bit before about um, you know, what entrepreneurs can do and can't do and, and what they, the mistakes they made. One of them is, is that relying on social media, just because they're on Facebook or do something cool or have a funny video, doesn't mean people are going to buy your stuff. Yeah. You can have a million you know, viewers of a video, but not one person will buy your stuff if they're the yeah. wrong And I viewers. see that
0: all the time.
4: Yeah, so LinkedIn is a great one, by the way. We we, yeah. uh, we put a lot of information out on LinkedIn. Our own website, we use a ton. And then we link it to those types of things. We leverage uh, information from Gartner and from Forrester, and we do yeah. joint things with them. And some of it's paid, some of it's not paid. But uh, be, being able to drive people through your site, through using that kind of content, uh, you know, the, the broader reach you can get, but you go too far, and then it's just vanilla. So it has to be poignant, it has to be that rifle approach.
0: Well, you said Determined right now is a small organization yeah. for you guys. My question is you probably have a big vision to scale this. How are you gonna go about doing that?
4: Yeah, so so all of those things we've been talking about, I uh, got the right team in place. So, mm-hmm. you know, kind of going back to the three things that, that I talked about, the market is there. Market's growing 15, 20% mm-hmm. per year. Um, it's a big market, $7 billion. We have a small piece of that. Um, I now have a product we've recently just, or are launching uh, our Determined Cloud Platform, right? Which is a new and innovative way to do this, uh, do this business for our, for our customers. Um, it's exciting, nobody else is doing it, we're the first ones there. And then the, the last piece is now I got the right people. So I got a market, I got a product, and I got people. So with that, there's no doubt we're gonna kill this thing. So last question as we wrap
0: up, we got a lot of aspiring entrepreneurs, they're trying to make the decision, they're listening to shows like this to put the pieces together to say, when is the right time for me to cut the cord from my source of income that pays for my bills, allows me to live, when can I cut that cord and go all in as an entrepreneur business owner? What do you think?
4: Yeah, You know what, I, I, uh, I, I'm not sure that I always did it the right way because I was an all-in kind of guy, typically, um, but I gotta tell you, if you can, and especially young entrepreneurs yeah. coming out of college or maybe a few years of a company, if you can kind of take that corporate job and work it and get experience and learn deep and try to grow inside that company and then, and then massage your ideas along the way uh, until you think you have the right idea and before you jump ship, um, and then really try to get other people to do things for you and use other mm. people's money, yeah. Do things for you until you're absolutely ready to jump ship. Um, the younger you are, the better. It's harder to do it at 45 years old. When you go I, fast
0: when you're young, when, right?
4: when I jumped in, things go fast. Yeah. You lose a little, you gain a little, you're okay. Um, but as you get older, it gets a little bit more difficult. Yeah. Um, but again, having the right people surrounded, surrounded you and, and maybe having a little bit of uh, money saved up to be able to live. And, but, but you gotta, you, you got to know that when you jump in, as, as you know, Mark, with entrepreneurialism, you go all in at some point. So yeah. you can test it for a while, but when you think you got it right, you got to go. Yeah, I love that advice. I, I actually had one person tell me at uh, one point in the business and we were struggling yeah. and he said, Do you still have a 401k? I'm like, Well, of course I do. And he goes, Well, do you still have you know, this house and that house? Well, of course I do. He goes, Well, then you haven't gone far enough yet, right? He mm-hmm. said, when, all, when that's all gone, you didn't then burn all come the bridges.
0: Me. <laughs> me. Sorry? You didn't burn all the bridges. No, no.
4: Well, that's another thing. Never burn any bridges because you never know who's going to come
0: back. And, uh, I love that. You Need know. help. So somebody says, I want to learn more about you. Maybe even look a little more into this thing that you guys sell at Determine as your mm-hmm. offer. Where can they do this?
4: Yeah, Determined.com. Uh, you'll find us. Uh, we're out there. We've got a fantastic website. And uh, all the information you could ever need about who we are, what we are, and where we're headed is all there. There you go. Patrick, thanks Good. for coming on the show. Thank you, Mark.
0: Appreciate, Appreciate you.
4: It. I'm Mark Lack. This is Business
0: Rockstars. We connect a community of entrepreneurs. You can join us on Facebook, Twitter, and online at businessrockstars.com.
2: This is Business Rockstars. Rockstars.